Hi, everybody. I'm Paul Wilkie. And I'm David Oro, and you're listening to The Embargo, the greatest PR podcast of all time. Damn straight. There's always something to talk about and a point to make. And we're going to do it when we want, whenever we want, which is usually every other week. <laughs> yeah, sure. Whether it's tech, business, sports, music, or your mama, we're going to cover it. And it's all coming to the point of, from point of communications and public relations and whatever we want to talk about. <laughs> At the heart of it, it's all about punching stodgy PR and communications in the face. That's right. So sit back, strap in, and let's get it on. So today is Thursday, June 8th, 2023. Hello, my favorite guy, Paul Wilkie. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good, David. I think since we last spoke, I had COVID, so I'm catching up with you. Oh, is it second time, first time? You got second it. time. I had it right at the right at the beginning of it before before it scared the Jesus out of everybody. And I, I I bookended it. I bookended the pandemic the way I like to say it. Well, it's a good thing that we all know we can live through it for the most part now that we yes. have that. And so. and uh uh Prozempic is a wonderful drug. It just reduced the symptoms by you know a week. It was, you know, I I I tested positive on a Thursday and I was clear by like Tuesday. It was crazy. Well, you, you did a lot better than me in March. I got that bronchitis thing and that lasted weeks and it was horrible. I'm alive, but I'm here. <laughs> Ready for the no, summer. No one's got a vaccine for bronchitis yet. Yeah. So that's the next thing we got to work on. We've yeah. got a lot to cover today. And we've got a we've got a great person to cover it with. So so Mr. Oral, where would you like to start? Uh I don't I don't really have anything off the top of my head to bring up today that kind of pisses me off about the industry or that is is happening. Um you know, so we can dive right into our guest because I'm really excited to uh talk to her again. Let's do that. I've I've had the pleasure of knowing our next guest for about 10 years. Our, our, our guest today is Lisa Paulson from Posey Corp. Lisa, how are you doing? I'm Chipper. How are you guys? I I love that. Well, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna absorb the chipper vibe. I'm gonna go chipper yeah. today. Yeah, why not? <laughs> um, like I said, you and I have known each other for about 10 years, but I want I want the rest of our audience to get to know you as well. You've been, you know, you're a communications powerhouse. I've, I've long respected and loved working. We've worked together. We've known each other. You've been in tech since, I think, 1988. Is that correct? That is correct. When it, when it was like mini computers and client server. Wow. So and floppy disks. Exactly. Floppy disks and DOS. Yeah, a long time ago. It almost goes back to cassette tape by that. By that. I mean, pretty much. No, it's scary. It's scary. So you you've seen all three, four, three and a half internet booms, you know, tech booms over the years. Yes, I have. And you know what? That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about what's changed, what's different, and what's the same. But what, I love, what we're going to love to talk about is is your approach today. I mean, you've been you've been working on communications coaching for the last ten years, which is not PR. That's um, right. You know, we can Dave and I can talk PR for hours, but you, by bringing you into the fold, you know, we're actually talking about some interesting stuff today. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was I wanted to never have to pitch a reporter again or have to deliver a click report to a client again, Limit and so I figured out how to do that. Yeah. Super oh, happy about that. Very jealous. Oh my God, let, let us bow down to Lisa. <laughs> We're not worried. Lisa, before you go, it was I applaud people who can either uh, 
not have to do that anymore, right? Like I, I still love it. I love doing it. I do the media relations and doing the, the, the work of PR. But there's a point in time you see people escape, right? And early in my career, like two or three years into it, uh, a woman by Lindsay Bonsenstein, she's out there somewhere. Lindsay, if you're listening, listen to us. She went off and just left the whole thing and went, became an acupuncturist. <laughs> and I was like, where'd you go? <laughs> she was gone. It was, And then there's only been like a handful of people who have ever seen leave, leave the profession. They only leave it when they retire, you know? Wow. So good for you for uh, uh, making that transition. Well, I didn't do it till I was 50. And all it took was going to coaching school and then inventing my own methodology. And, you know, when you're a PR person, you are an ad hoc communications coach. You have to get the people ready for their keynotes and for their media interviews and for their all hands meetings and like figure out what's making them nervous without saying, I know you're nervous and scared. You know, you don't say, I know you're nervous and scared to a CEO, but you have to address their nervousness and scaredness and help them do their job. So we all do it. I just went to coaching school and it was like reverse engineering, kind of my battlefield PhD in like how to deal with people who don't know how to talk. So tell us a little bit about Posey Core and the, and the type of execs you work with and, and, and what you're working on right now. So it's mostly my wheelhouse is the shy, smart people. So, you know, you take someone like Andy Cunningham, she gets all the really aggressive people because she worked for Steve Jobs. And they're like, she worked for Steve Jobs. I want Steve Jobs. I get, I want, I, I was the Java PR person and there was only one marketing person. I had to work directly with all these super introverted, super smart engineers. And so I tend to get really smart people who have complicated ideas to talk about. And so how do we translate those complicated ideas help them even understand what a soundbite is and why it needs to exist. Help them understand that you don't answer a question with a six paragraph answer. And help them understand why the media never really gets it 100% right. And so I really, really love helping these engineers find some enlightenment in um, understanding this side of how the, the process works. They all love their products, they wanna bring them to market but they don't know how to get over that leap and talk to people about them. So I don't expect you to name names, but it's safe to assume you're not working, working with Elon Musk. You know, I had a friend who worked for him and she was in tears almost every night. This was even 10 years ago before he was that bad. So no, no, I am not. Um, I don't think he listens to anybody. No, that's clear. That's yeah. very clear. <laughs> yeah. Lisa, what you just described, uh -huh. dealing with, brilliant uh engineering founders yeah or technical people uh-huh and then having them to speak english is some of the toughest most rewarding parts of this job honestly it's like, fun that, right yeah. um the, the challenge is and i don't know if this is you or not but like every situation i go into and this is where a public relations person or a comms person or a person like you right now has to have a really good sense, what I would call emotional intelligence, mm. being able to get along and respect people that are fundamentally different from who you are as a person to yeah. get them, you know, and then, and to work with them, right. Yeah. You're almost like a chameleon in a lot of ways. Well, you have to build a bridge. And listen, I remember the first time, is it okay if I swear on this podcast? 
Oh, I'd be disappointed if you did. Checking. I remember the first time I said to a client, I was like, just be a fucking meat puppet, man. That's what this is. Just, just like embrace it. Be a fucking meat puppet. And he was so happy because it was like, uh, that's how he felt. And I finally validated for him that that's what this process was about, that he wasn't having principled, deep theoretical conversations. He was spouting sound bites. And that that was the assignment and everybody's different. So you kind of get a sense when you're interacting with someone, if they're recalcitrant, if they're scared, if they're belligerent, like you can see it. And then you, you know, I've worked with um, guys who are ex like Oracle sales VPs who think they know how to do everything that needs to be done in any situation. And with those guys, it's just like tearing them apart until they realize they have something to learn. So every single client gives you a tell and then you figure out how to how to get to them and also add value like I talk fast like I, I don't like I'm not pontificating yeah and how, how do you approach them like like I've gone in early in my career I remember meeting a genius founder who couldn't look you in the eye and couldn't talk to you but he created a billion dollars worth of value mm-hmm. and people wanted to talk to him mm-hmm. and he had to go out there and talk and we you know a lot of ways in the way Zuckerberg was early on in his in his career. It, my guy was much better, more advanced, but still beyond before even getting to a media interview, it was okay, dude, we gotta get along, right? <laughs> you we've got to understand each other. How do you approach that? What are, what are some tools and techniques and playbooks that you have in, in your I ask them what they care about and why. Like you could have, you could have founded any kind of company, could have done any job. Why does this matter to you? I ask them, what is the industry getting wrong today? Because that's usually where the grain of their idea comes from. It's like, no, this is wrong. We have to fix it. I ask them what they uniquely see and do, what they uniquely see that no one else sees and what they're uniquely doing about it. Because with the super geeky guys, this is this is not acting school. And I never, you can't change their personalities. You can't change their affect. You have to work with what you have, but they come alive when they get really engaged in the intellectual and philosophical problem. And so we just kind of focus in on like, what's that piece of it that really makes you excited? And when they talk about that, then they get more animated. But, you know, I work with people who speak all sorts of different languages as their first language. And I'm not, we're not going to eradicate your accent. Let's just pick some different words that are easier for you to say. People who are introverted and they want to look away before they answer a question. Like a lot of people will do this while they're thinking and then come back. That's okay. So I want people to be a version of themselves that they're comfortable being. I don't want them to ever feel like they have to fake it because when they're, when they feel unauthentic, they feel uncomfortable and the whole thing goes awry. It's it's amazing. One of the things, and, and, and you know, I, I I think Dave and I both do this a lot with media training. I'm curious to see if, if some of the training you work as well. Sometimes it's just stripping things back to the basics. Like, you know, I did a media training session yesterday with mm. an exec and and she her eyes would wander. They wouldn't, they wouldn't stay in the camera. So I just I basically said to her, I said, look, this is a post-note. This is your friend. Put it above the lens and just stare at it. And that's all that was needed. Yeah. Um Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's, you know, it's sometimes you have to sort of, you know, you know, you know, strip it down to the, 
to the to the bare paint, the bare metal, and then and, and then rebuild. But I think a lot of it is just the basics. Mm -hmm. and look, I would say ninety five percent of what I do is common sense. It's just people don't think about it on purpose and pay attention to it. You know, someone will spend twelve hours perfecting a deck and no hours thinking about how they're going to present it and what the soundbite for each slide is. So it's just like invest the energy and time in communication as much as you invest the energy and time in thinking about the product or the idea or the deck or whatever it is. So it's not, I wouldn't say that what I do is rocket science, but you have to get people, you have to get them over their hump and over their objections and willing to do the work. It's not rocket science, but it takes a lot of a lot of wisdom and 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 and, and historical perspective. And, and, and as we talked about at the top of the show, you've got that. So what I'd love to, I'd love to sort of segue a little bit into what are you seeing today that that you didn't see, you know, in in ninety five or eighty eight or vice versa. What do you what what are you noticing from the from the crop of the, of execs that you're working with now that that we didn't see when we were younger. Well, so what was interesting about 95, and it's hilarious because, you know, the internet, DARPAnet, that existed for, what, 45 years, 50 years before people could actually type into something. So it was Tim Berners-Lee and Mark Andreessen that gave humans something to type into. So the internet became a massive concept that was world-changing when humans at their homes could type into something. And in the beginning, it was just a brochure. You know, a company would be lauded for just having a website, and the website had a few photographs and a couple paragraphs of copy, and that was it. Like the, the concept of what an application server is or of mobile apps, like all that stuff didn't even exist. So the thing that's different about now, because in a way we're in the same place, artificial intelligence has been around as a concept since the 50s. Neural networks have been around forever. You know, you look at the, the guys at NVIDIA have been doing amazing things in their labs with AI for 10 years. So has Google. Like there's so much stuff that's been going on in AI. The reason everyone's freaking about AI, out about AI now is because humans can type into it. So as soon as ordinary humans got ChatGPT, we're all like, oh my gosh, AI exists. The thing, there are two things that I think are radically different now. In 95, the tech industry was still sort of this backwater. Like when I worked at Sun Microsystems, we couldn't get anyone in Washington, D.C. to return our phone calls. It's mm -hmm. like we didn't exist. So now tech has taken over and is integral to every aspect of business and life and is so deeply on the radar screen. The power is so much bigger. The impact is so much bigger. So in 95, no one was scared about what the web could possibly be because nobody paid attention to us. In five minutes, everyone's scared about what AI could be, partly because of Skynet, but also partly because of the power of the technology companies. So we're in this weird place where there's much more responsibility and scrutiny than there has ever been. And we're still in this greenfield place with AI where we were in 95 when like it was a big deal just to have a website at all. Like you can slap an LLM onto your product right now, but what we're going to be doing with generative um, AI in the next two to five years, no, nobody knows the answers to those questions. Literally no one knows the answers to those questions right now. So we have to be able to create the space for imagination and at the same time, not scare everyone to death. And so for anybody who works in this field, it's about, you know, um, just to look at the message from Google I.O., bold and responsible. They always say both. They don't say bold. They don't say responsible. They say bold and responsible. 
You look at what Sam Altman's doing with his charm tour in Washington. That's very deliberate, very purposeful, and a huge investment in his time. And he chose to make that investment in his time because he knew he had to. So all of the people who are driving these companies are threading these needles. And we're in a place where everybody's being watched and scrutinized so much. It's like an eyebrow twitch or an, an exhale is going to have meaning. Yeah. The responsibility to communicate well is even more important. And now I'm done with my uh, long uh, screed about that. Uh, it was fantastic. I don't know. I was listening intently. I was like, let this woman keep going. I want to hear more. I want to hear more. I mean, you know, um, you know, it, it's, if you're in this industry, it's, it's often very easy to be dismissive of the importance of it, right? Oh, do this media list, get this clip, you know, go, you know, write a report on that. Show me how many, whatever. Right. And in reality is it's most pronounced when you screw it up and yeah. then it becomes a very big deal. And that's why I'm always so stressed out about it, but also stressed out and caring for executives that rely on us to go into the public sphere. Mm -hmm. uh, what you were just saying, Lisa, and I think Sam Altman and the open AI initiative and what they're doing there. You're right. I hadn't thought about that. It, it, I, I, I feel like that was more of a proactive effort than yeah. they weren't getting called into Congress because something no, happened. It was totally proactive. And he could have he could have spent all this time doing 10 million other things, but he chose. He's been on the road for weeks. Yeah. Remember how John Chambers used to say that 50 percent of his job was evangelism? Yeah. Francisco? Sam Altman sees that. And he's doing it. When you when you coach your executives, do you use that uh, term about being an evangelist? I do quite a bit, and partly it's because when there's when anything is new, humans have to you have to help them overcome their failure of imagination. It's like you have to help them see what you see, and you have to help them. It's like you're a periscope. Everybody's in the submarine. Submarine's really small, but look up. There's this big ocean. There's a big sky, and the showing people the ocean in the sky is what evangelism is, I think. Yeah. And right now, that's where we are. When you're talking to an executive and coaching them, yeah. How do you how do you sort of decide? Okay, which one's going to be the evangelist and which one's going to be the meat puppet? Well, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes the meat puppet and the evangelist are are the same because the meat puppet is the soundbite delivery. But what I usually say to people is. The soundbite's never the whole answer. It's a bookend. You start with a soundbite. You know, generative AI is going to transform vertical industries. With, but, and let me tell you why. Blah, 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 blah. And that's why we say generative AI is going to transform vertical industries. So I just made that up. But, but the soundbites are essential because the reporters have to have something to quote. And one thing that I say to every spokesperson I work with is, have you ever seen an eight sentence quote in the Wall Street Journal. And they're like, no. And I'm like, that's right. They're gonna to talk to you for 30 to 60 minutes and they're gonna pick one or two sentences. Mm -hmm. So do you wanna have some influence over what those one or two sentences are? If you do, say your fucking sound bites. <laughs> do the sound bites. There's a great lesson in that. I, I have a perfect example of, of doing an hour long interview uh, with Business Week. It was Business yeah. Week that might've been Bloomberg Business Week. And we were all excited. We were a startup in the email security space. 
and it was going to be we're trying to get her into the uh to do the ceo interview for a long time like she's coming in the office the pr person's pat me i'm patting myself on the back i got business week in here for you guys in person <laughs> wow. she comes in does an hour interview and at the very end she asks you know, what do you guys think of Salesforce? Are you using that here now in your tool? She's oh my God. CEO says, oh my, totally off topic, away from email security. CEO says, uh, yeah, we my sales guys love it. We're stuck. Uh-huh. Interview comes out. It's all about Salesforce. And this CEO, his quote says, we're stuck on Salesforce. Oh. And I'm like, Hey, I got to the meeting. I, I can't control it. This is the tough part about PR, but you're, you're naming companies in business week, right? Now. Uh, yeah. Downbites are important. That's a hard one. That's hard. Yeah. Well, that's, that's one of the other things I that, that, that it's hard to get, especially people who have technical backgrounds. Just because you know something and have an opinion on it doesn't mean that it's something we should talk about in this media interview. So it's like, you may know a giant department store's worth of information, but you are going to give people a shoebox's worth of information because the point is to get a good story, not to demonstrate the quality of your brain. You're not there to be human Wikipedia. Yeah. So we talked about that a lot. Just like, just focus. Okay, I want to change subjects just a little bit. Um, I watched the Apple Worldwide Development Conference stuff on Tuesday and I did not but I understand that it happened fascinating <laughs> and, 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 and the reason I want to talk about it is is because this is something we all three of us have had to dealt with deal with both in our PR careers or or or, or with execs and yeah. that's the tech creep factor so when when I saw the Apple Vision Pro unveiled yeah it gave off and I'm I'm an Apple early adopter I'm always like just take my money here this is the first time I've been like ooh this is a little bit too black mirror for my liking mm-hmm. and and going through it and and sort of playing back like you know I we've all spent time with technology and communications around tech that had that creep factor so I, this is to both of you what, what do you What's your reaction? How how does how does addressing that creep factor? How's that change? What do we do different? What do we need to do differently going forward? Regarding technologies we find creepy, or regarding these goggles in particular? Either, <laughs> either. I was thinking more of the former, but you know, I, I'm I'm open to to both. First of all, uh, generative AI is creepy. Okay, so that that's the other thing. <laughs> Paul, I'm going to give you an example of of one. Yesterday. Uh, Tom Cruise's stunt doubles was getting passed around the internet and they all looked exactly like him. But it, And people were passing around, oh my God, I've never seen Tom Cruise's stunt doubles. And it was legit. And people, even my wife shared it. And I'm like, uh, no, that's AI. There's three Tom Cruises together. They're, they're, he does his own stunts. Wait until 2024. Mm-hmm. Elections. Mm-hmm. Somebody hurt. Mm-hmm. Back to the Apple... Vision Pro, yeah. I am not anywhere near close to endorsing, loving, or feeling the uncreepiness, it's totally creepy, uh, of VR, AR headsets, right? Yeah. I'll give this to Apple. It looked pretty cool as far as overall those headsets go. You know, like the other ones I've seen have been square or whatever. This one was rounded. It kind of looked like, you know, now you look like the fly. 
versus well, no <laughs> but, one said but, but my, my whole thing Paul is is I, I just maybe it's my age but I just can't see how people are going to be able to interact in a virtual world when everything that we're doing right now is craving for the real world yeah. Yeah. right yeah. I mean you've seen it in children they're getting rid of their earbuds they're trying to get an analog three three by five jet because the earbuds suck and they want to go back to the old school way. Uh, there's kids now that are just starting to say, you know, I'm getting off of social, right? We're starting to see a little bit of that trend. Uh, you've seen it in the reports on Facebook a while back. They weren't growing as much. There's a little bit of fatigue here. And I think people are looking forward to real experiences, particularly coming out of a COVID uh, situation. We were on lockdown, like, like people just looked up and said, oh my God, I want to be with you all. <laughs> you know, like you get rid of this digital thing. It's it's interesting. And and to, and to your point, it, I, I have two points and then I'll, I'll, I'll throw it back to you guys. So the first point is when I saw Vision Pro, I thought, and, and I didn't see this written anywhere yet, but until the form factor looks like what Google Glass looked like, I don't think it's going to catch, I mean, I don't think it's going to, it's, it's going to get mass appeal. And, and, and we all saw how Google Glass played out. But, but but we can't have Google Glass either because we all saw Robert Scoble in the shower with yes and and, and my said I'm just still disturbed by that. Um, <laughs> the second thing is and and it's for that experiential that that experience. And I, I posted it on 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 Instagram yesterday. There was there was a I saw that about a half hour away from me. Cheese it, you know the the cracker. They did um, a pop-up in a gas, you know, like an old historical gas station where they branded the hell out of it and they gave out Cheez-Its to people and they were selling t-shirts and merch and stuff. No, no, dude, it was the first Cheez-It gas pump. Yeah, yeah. And gas pump I, was out of it. I was disappointed. They, I thought it was going to pump out like Cheez-Its. It just pumped out little bags of Cheez-Its. <laughs> so I actually went. I was intrigued from a, as a, from a communications perspective. I said, I wanted to see this thing. And what was interesting was how happy very happy the people were that went to go see it. They were smiling. They loved it. It was an experience. Of course, it was to put like photos on Instagram, but people were enjoying themselves and they and they were they they loved being in the moment, which which I found fascinating. Also, I was amazed at how well whatever event marketing PR company they used, I was impressed. They like the level of detail. They had like little cheese at decals on the path. You went into the bathroom, there was like cheese themed graffiti. Um, <laughs> it was amazing, but it, it, I, I think it plays very nicely to what you're saying about, you know, people are looking for those real experiences that they can see and touch and feel and, and, and share with people. Well, try to imagine that in a virtual world, showing up at a cheese at roadside. All right, so now we're, let's move on to our best part. Really, it's about games. We, we need to do more games, Paul. And one of our longest standing games, Lisa, I mean, we've, we've had games that were, we had a segment called Dumb Shit PR Agencies Do, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, we, we, we had this thing called the Message Doctor. Where, 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 you know, you, we would analyze something and you would act as the doctor trying to, 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 to clean up the message. message. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, we called it messaging doc. 
That's what it was. It wasn't the messaging time. It was messaging time. But what the longest game that we've had is a game called Rep, Fire, and Refer. Okay. And so you're, I'm going to give you three subjects. Okay. You have to sign. You either get to represent them. That's the rep part. You have to fire them or you have to refer them to somebody. And all okay. of these are topical. And so let's go for it. Okay. Ready. Three choices. Okay. CNN. That's one. PGA plus the live uh, tournament, but yeah. golf stuff going on. Uh -huh. Or Binance and Coinbase, who are currently under review right now with the SEC because I don't know, crypto's not working out for some reason. You oh, tell me. Interesting. So CNN, golf, the golf leagues, Oof. Binance and Coinbase. Those All are right. three tough ones. So I got yeah. a rep fire. So I have to choose one for each of them. Yep. All right. This is interesting because I don't know anything about golf at all, but I kind of think, I think that I mean, it's, it's especially hilarious because all the, all of the hijinks and screaming and freaking out over the last two years, and now they just are suddenly married. So I think that's really funny. I refer Binance just because SEC is not my wheelhouse necessarily, and because that is a thicket of weird issues, and a lot of people in crypto are strange. So <laughs> I don't, I don't think I would want to go there. So I'd refer Binance. It's Binance and Coinbase, by the way. Yeah, so yeah. Just, yeah. That too. <laughs> yeah, Binance. Yeah, and and also the SEC issue. Like I'd, I'd refer that because also I don't want any liability for you know obfuscating things when they get sued in federal court. So I would like walk away from Binance. Will you do me a favor and refer it to Paul? He's ready well, to hand. Yeah, yeah, I can refer it to Paul. Refer it to Paul. And then I think I would have to fire CNN because there's just no winning there. And that's just like such a media centrifuge machine. Like there's just so much going on there. And, you know, the media writing about the media and th that's endless. And that that just feels, and also I'm sure they would want to be, they'd be cheapskates. So I would, I would, I would fire them. I think I would work for PG&A and the Saudis just because I think it would be hysterical. I'm sure they have a lot of money. I could probably hire 35 people to work with me, charge them $6 million a month. <laughs> they wouldn't know any better. They wouldn't care. And, you know, I wouldn't have to do any of the work except show up at a couple of meetings and smile and then bring in all my people. So that, I think, I think that's how I would do that one. There it is. Rep, fire and refer. It's, it's, it's not as easy as you think it is. <laughs> no, it's not. Well, what would you guys do? Am I allowed to ask that? I would rep CNN because they've already hit rock bottom. You know, if you're, you're on out, it'd be smooth sailing. I would I would fire PGA and the Live Tour. I just I I'm disgusted by that whole space. And then um David, I would prefer the Coinbase stuff to you. Yeah. I, I would definitely uh, fire Binance and Coinbase just because I've just never bought into crypto and just was like, this ain't right. It feels like a Ponzi scheme and it's turning out to be, I'm sure there will always be some form of it. Uh, between CNN and, did I just fire them? I just fired them, right? So I got to refer and rep. Yeah, I'm with Paul. I'm going to have to rep CNN. At least that has a chance. And then, um, refer PJ and live. I just, I just can't touch that because Lisa, you're right. It, you, you laugh at it and it's comical, but it's also absolutely ridiculous because the Saudis win this. They get like 20% of it. They've got all the money. 
and money talks in this world and the PGA just basically bent over and took it. <laughs> you know, I think we can all there are no principles involved in any of this. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> I, part of what makes it hilarious, though. It's like yeah. it's a situation where you literally have no illusion that you have any respect for the client. Yeah, right. So and like, we know they pay well. Yeah, but they pay well. You know what? I <laughs> yeah, like Lisa, well. Let me wrap like, them because I want the sovereign wealth fund like Lisa has. That's that's what I'll do. Well, sure, just going there, just going there and do that. Just going there and do it for a year. Take the money. I mean. Look, if Lionel Messi said no to the Saudis, so yeah, he's <laughs> yeah, got more backbone than the PGA. So yeah, totally, that's go. true. Lisa, thank you so much for we. This this has been an absolute blast. I, I know it's we we've gone our usual length, but just there's just so much to cover, and and, and we're glad you're here. And um, for those you'd like to know more about PosyCore, URL is below us right now. Please please give it a visit or connect with her on LinkedIn, and she will answer any questions that you have. I have I have many 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 free resources on my website, just spewing content all the time. There and you have know. a great newsletter too, which I've turned into a novella. I don't know if you've noticed, but my newsletter is now a fictional story of Widget Co. and all the travails of the people at Widget Co. and whether they are good or bad communicators. And I'm finding it hilarious to write. Oh, we got to check it out. It's funny. Thanks for being here, Lisa. Gentlemen, it was such a pleasure. I really appreciate the invitation and happy mid-June Wednesday to you both. Wait, no, it's Thursday, right? Is it Thursday? Thursday. Happy mid-June Thursday to you both. Cheers. Thank you so much. Take care, everybody.